there. You're listening to the Park Rush Podcast. This is a Thing Park Podcast. I'm Tom. Joining me, as ever, is Josh. Hello there. Hello there, Josh. How's it going? I'm very good, thank you. How about yourself? Not too bad, not too bad. Had a bit of a falling out this week, Josh, about the uh, the timing, the increasingly scattershot timing of the Park Rush Podcast. I am... Confident in my assertion that despite the release schedule being a mess, by getting this podcast out for you, dear listener, before the end of Sunday, the 2nd of July, we have continued our hit rate. I believe, I don't think we've ever missed a week. I don't think you've ever gone a calendar week without a Park Rush podcast since it started in, what was it, late 2018? Uh, Josh, you feel slightly differently about that. but Yes, well, I have two reasons why. First well, of all, if you start the week on a Sunday rather than on a Monday, which some people do, some listeners might, uh, then we have very much missed a calendar week. Uh, I'm not saying those people are right on their calendar choices, but, you know. Uh, Good, also, because they're we wrong, a, Josh. They're wrong. And if we were a popular, successful podcast from, I don't know, <laughs> the BBC or Sky or something... Uh, I think a lot of people go, oh, they've missed a week this week. I wonder why that was. Luck- luckily, yeah. uh, we do neither of those things here, so all good. Exactly. We're fine. Uh, long long be the Parkrush podcast unsuccessful enough uh, <laughs> to have its own release schedule. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, reason for the delayed release this week is because we've been in Scotland, Josh. Not doing any oh, theme aye. parks, unfortunately. Oh, yes, uh, not in Scotland. Didn't do any theme parks, but uh, some theme park adjacent activities. I think you could see one, a couple of boat rides, including one where we played the Jurassic Park music. So it was basically the River Adventure. I want mean, to stop that now, by the way. But, it, I mean, it basically was the River Adventure because much like the River Adventure, uh, it, it is increasingly difficult on there to see any dinosaurs, is my understanding, because half of them don't bother getting out of the water these days. Uh, we also didn't see any dinosaurs. We just had the music to go on. So it basically was the Jurassic Park River Adventure, except we were we were doing the rowing. Uh, yeah, I mean, we sort of saw dinosaurs, not not on the boat per se, but, we, you know, there was dinosaurs nearby. True, yes. We did go to what I have to imagine is a Disney-affiliated, fully endorsed companion restaurant to the T-Rex Cafe, which was Jurassic Grill at Loch Lomond. <laughs> it was something else. Oh yeah, not not quite a, a volcanic eruption, not quite the uh, the extinction event uh, that you experience in the T Rex Cafe every sort of fifteen minutes. But you, we did occasionally hear, hear just a dinosaur, or what I assume was a dinosaur, just going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> every ten minutes or so, just a. <gasps> that was as good that as is, it got. Uh, yeah, they came round. You could meet the dinosaurs, like you can at uh, Islands Adventure. Yes, yes, there was a waitress carrying a little dinosaur around. And we didn't go in it, but it has the, the first, was it Ice Age dessert, themed dessert in the whole of the UK, apparently. <laughs> that is what they claim, yes. A bold claim, I think. But yeah, the UK's first ever Ice Age themed dessert, Yeah, I think, is what it said on the sign, which is 
well, extraordinary, really, but we'll take their word for it, I suppose. But yeah, you know, Scotland, beautiful place, I thought. Edinburgh, lovely. Loch Lomond, lovely. Drymond, lovely. Little village. Stirling Castle, all excellent. No roller coasters, but I could live without them for a little while. Uh, yes. I'm, I'm, I was quite content. Yes. It's good to get out there and touch grass occasionally. <laughs> Um, You've got more time to do it now, Josh, because uh, you're only allowed to look at, oh, well, at this point, who knows, eight tweets a day. It, it, it seems, I reckon it's probably gone down since we started doing the podcast. Yeah, I, I've realised that I forgot to tweet out a picture of uh, my Magic Kingdom castle last week. And uh, I've since deleted Twitter because it's basically useless to me with my <laughs> lack of tweet reading. So... Uh, Sorry, listeners, you won't get a picture of that. Uh, Twitter uh, is dead to me. Well, I think you sent that picture to me when you finished building the Lego uh, Magic Kingdom castle. So maybe I will post it and then I might also delete Twitter. Well, I can't. I, can't, I kind of need Twitter for work. <laughs> should we make an executive? Should we delete the Park Rush Twitter? Should we take a stand against this nonsense? Do we, do we need the Park Rush Twitter? Does anyone care? Let us know. Preferably yeah. not on Twitter because <laughs> we don't know if we'll be able to read it. <laughs> yeah, hit so, me up on Blue Sky. Uh, yeah. Yeah, do that. Um, message us on Instagram maybe or email us, podcast at parkrush.com. If we don't get any pro Park Rush Twitter correspondence uh, or pro, corresp- pro Park Rush podcast being on Twitter correspondence, we'll just delete it uh, because, you know, I could do without. Uh, it'd be good to have one less reason to go on Twitter. I would, I would say. Yeah. Anyway, fi- final thing before we get into, um, or two final things before we get into uh, just a, a quick, r- quick run through of some of this week's thing part news. Number one, I think I may have said that this week's episode would probably be a park beyond thing part game review. Obviously, that is not the case. Uh, I've spent a decent amount of time with it, uh, or I had done before we went away. As it's now been a week since I touched that game, I'd like to check in with it again. I believe they've released a patch for it this week too. Might have fixed some of my issues with it. So I'll check back in with that. I'll try and stream some out if I can and we'll aim to make that the next episode of the podcast. And then the second thing I wanted to mention, uh, you mentioning your Lego Disney castle brought it to my attention. I saw Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny today and uh, to kill a bit of time before the film, I popped into the Lego shop in Leicester Square. The most enormous queue I've ever seen in a Lego store and they weren't even queuing to buy things, to pay for stuff. They were actually queuing up for the opportunity to build a miniature version, very miniature version, even smaller than yours. It's like a tiny, tiny little thing on this, on like a base that must be the size of like a 50 pence piece, maybe slightly bigger than that. Uh, wow. Of the uh, of the Magic Kingdom Castle, they've just released a 350 quid version of it. I think you might have mentioned it last week, Josh. And to celebrate, yeah. um, you could go in there, queue up uh, for the chance to build a tiny, tiny version, and then take it home for free. They did look quite neat. I, I would have I'm, I would have been tempted to queue up if I didn't have a film to go and see. Let's crack on then with uh, the little bit of news that we've had this week this isn't so much news really it's uh i I guess just a a bit of a progress report on the uh princess and the frog replacement for splash mountain the magic kingdom tiana's bio adventure which is uh, not opening until 2024 but scaffolding is up round uh brer rabbit's old gaff and they've now put up 
the uh, the water tower, the Tiana's Foods water tower, which is going to be kind of like the, I guess, the central landmark of that new ride. Uh, I mean, we've talked about the the ride in in detail before, at least so much as Disney have said about it. But uh, yeah, yeah I, I think this is this is a sensible thing to do to kind of drum up some excitement, make clear to maybe more casual visitors what's going on over there. And I think it looks good. It looks like it will be a nice sort of landmark centerpiece perhaps to look for in Frontierland uh, when this ride does eventually open next year. Yeah, for sure. What do you think of the uh, the crown on top? Because, you know, it's a very traditional, not, not boring, but, you know, it's... Uh, it's a water tower. It's a wooden water tower. You know what it looks like uh, just with the Tiana's Foods branding on it, but they have also popped on top Tiana's crown. It's a daytime photo, so I don't know if there's any sort of lighting going on there uh, at nighttime. But like from a distance, you might miss it, and then it's like a detail that you'll get because it's quite. It looks relatively thin in comparison to the rest of the unit, obviously. But I, th- I think it's a good addition. I think it really it really sells what it is they're going for here um you know in this fantastical world of the magic kingdom i think it works certainly as they try and hype up this more you know the more fantastical elements of their ips um instead of being so kind of relatively serious with them previously in this certainly in this area of the park um they you know bringing the the joy and the wonder of the ips out i think is a good touch yeah yeah, I don't know if they've done the same yet over in Disneyland. Uh, that version of the ride obviously closed, was the second to close, I think. And so they might not be quite so far along there. But both are due to open next year. We don't have a kind of specific window really just yet. But yeah, we, we obviously will be getting more updates, I'm sure, on the ride during the rest of this year and then certainly as we move into 2024. Um, speaking of this part of the Magic Kingdom, this is, I guess, a little bit of scuttlebutt, which has uh, driven Robert Niles over at Theme Park Insider to write a full article about what could happen. And he has heard from his sources that Disney may be considering getting rid of the Rivers of America. Uh, which would mean no more Liberty Square Riverboat and would also mean no more Tom Sawyer Island. Uh, This is because he believes of Disney's kind of, you know, semi-commitment, I guess we would call it at this stage, to uh, build new attractions, um, potentially even kind of whole new areas at Magic Kingdom and, and, you know, actually build that park out and add rather than simply kind of replace, uh, you know, such as what they're doing with Splash Mountain. And it doesn't feel like they're going to kind of actually increase the footprint of the park necessarily. So when you think of like a big chunk of the existing land that they could make use of here, it would be Tom Sawyer Island. And I suppose most people would probably not consider Tom Sawyer Island and the the, the Liberty Boat as, as kind of rides necessarily. So if those two things were to be put on the chopping block to make room for, you know, more traditional, you know, outright rides, 
Is yeah. that something you'd welcome, Josh, or do you place a lot of value in these kinds of sort of quasi attractions, if you like? Um, I, I would be sad to see them go personally, because even when I don't go to Thomas Sawyer Island or go on the boat, I, I, I think it adds a lot to the atmosphere and the vibe in that part of the park, kind of where uh, Frontierland meets Liberty Square. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I've ever done Tom Sawyer Island. Oh. Um, so I wouldn't, I personally wouldn't be, uh, you know, affected if that went. Uh, I mm. do, like you say, think that the river and the, uh, the paddle steamer uh, adds a lot of character to the area, a lot of, um, you know, movement, which is always important to areas like this. And it, adds a real charm and I think it would be sad to see that go um, but uh, I guess it's kind of the best area to put the extension that would be that sort of like villains area yeah um, if they were to build that that you know this is the only sort of gateway out of the park that's left really without mm. going through a separate land so yeah uh, yeah, I can see why this would be the year mark for that. Um, but again, yeah, I'd, I'd hate to see the paddle steamer go. I still think uh, I'd rather have another park, have a fifth park. Uh, Rob uh, suggests where that could go, maybe across um, you know, the other side of World Drive to, or, uh, I guess it's Floridian Way, the exit road uh, from the Ticket and Transportation Centre. Uh in that gap would be quite cool or maybe even Robert says between the Grand Floridian and the Magic Kingdom there's a lot of space there so maybe they could develop in one of those two areas um, I think the opposite side of the Ticket and Transportation Centre would be kind of cool uh, I guess that's where the old racetrack used to be off the top of my head putting a fifth part there would be better but that is not on the cards at all at the moment so maybe the ship and or the boat and uh Tom Sawyer has to go to see this villains area, I guess. Yeah, I, I mean, the the villains area, if that's what this is to be, I suppose the Haunted Mansion might make for kind of a pretty effective sort of transition, you know, if it, if it was to be in that part of the park. Uh, you yeah. know, the, the, those would kind of marry together quite effectively, I suppose. I mean, Robert in this article does talk about some of the kind of practicalities of sort of redeveloping this part of the park. And he sort of comes to the conclusion that the most kind of effective thing to do, unfortunately, would be to basically drain that lagoon. Obviously, in Disneyland Paris, for example, in their frontier land, they have the the lagoon and the, and the, the steamboat that you can go on, and it goes round Big Thunder Mountain, which is out on an island. And you effectively yeah. go under the lagoon through these tunnels or to, to get there. And then the ride um, does that as well. That isn't a practical solution to this situation in the Magic Kingdom. Hence why he thinks draining the lagoon and just building on top of of that space is is really the best bet if Disney do decide that this is a piece of real estate that they want to make use of for new attractions. 
Yeah, I, th- I was I was just thinking about this, you know, because obviously you got part of this, you got kind of the, the forward part of the Tom Sawyer Island and then the back part of Tom Sawyer Island. Mm. What if they rejigged that uh, ferry, the the loop, the riverboat loop, so it's just a circle rather than this longer thing? Um, so you could take, take away your, the back part of Tom Sawyer Island, but kept the front part, and then put sort of a tunnel. I guess you can't really build a tunnel because of how the Magic Kingdom's built. Maybe you could, because there is the tunnels underneath for the, uh, com- you know, for all of the uh, the staff. But if you, yeah, yeah, but if you could build like a tunnel so that you could get that sort of um, split between main Magic Kingdom and like evil Magic Kingdom, I think that'd mm. be quite cool. Kind of mm. like they're doing with in Epic Universe with their sort of gateways into the different lands. Yeah, I just I again I don't know if that'd be feasible here. I d- yeah, I I just think that the kind of the impact this would have on sort of just the aesthetics of this part of the park would be a real bummer. Like, I'd love new entirely new rides at Magic Kingdom. the The idea of an entirely new area is really exciting, and because it is, as we talked about on the last episode, it remains the most visited park in the world by some distance. And so Disney know that whenever they do something new here, it really has to deliver. Uh, obviously, it doesn't always, but by and large, they do bring their A game here and they obviously would feel uh, under pressure to do so for an entirely new land. So it's exciting, like the prospect of major additions to Magic Kingdom, but I just think this is a very big trade-off. And it's also interesting that, you know, given Magic Kingdom is already the most visited park, that this is something that is going to drive even more interest. And as we talked about last time, even though the numbers apparently are down still on pre-COVID and there are until next year at least, you know, reservation limits in place and things like that, you know, do we do we want to encourage even more people to want to go to Magic Kingdom? Like, I th- I, as you say, like I, I think the 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 preferable solution here is to build a fifth gate. Like we, they need to get, they need to spread the footfall more than they currently do. Even with four parks, a couple of water parks, and Disney Springs, like there's still there's already a lot of places for people to go in Central Florida if they want a Disney experience. And even with all that they all feel rammed almost all of the time and none more so than Magic Kingdom. And yeah. this is just going to make it worse at Magic Kingdom. I mean, I, I just feel like this fifth gate is something that they really should have tried to get ahead of and, and I, in an ideal world been working on for, for many years at this point. It almost feels like by the time they start working on a theoretical fifth park, it will be kind of like the horse is already bolted sort of a situation in terms of, you know, if they were doing it to get ahead of guest demand, well, that ship has sailed. I'm mixing my metaphors at this point, but I just feel like this is not what kind of the current Magic Kingdom regular, I don't know if this is like completely in their interest, like new intru- new attractions are great and they're exciting, but like I say, the idea of even more footfall at Magic Kingdom is kind of a terrifying prospect. Yeah, hundred percent. So there we go. There we go. What do you think it will take? Just before we move on from this, what do you think it would take for Disney to 
go, all right then, fifth gate. Like, because, you know, obviously from our perspective, the only motivation that they need and that we'd want them to adhere to is, oh, hey, the Imagineers have got some great ideas for some new rides. We just got nowhere to put them. Hey, let's build a new park. But we know that that kind of utopian reason to build a theme park is not the main motivating factor here. It's also got to make business sense. So what do you think it takes for them to hit the green button? Is it something as simple as we feel like we can, if we do this, also build some new hotels? Like, is it purely about getting more people in uh, and maybe getting more people to stay on site? Like, if you if you have five parks to go to, will that convert a certain number of people who buy or buy a ticket to go to the parks? Will that convert a certain percentage of those people into hotel guests, for example? Like, if they feel like, well, there's simply so much to do at Disney now, like, even more... It makes more sense just to stay on site. You know, would yeah. that be more along the lines of their thinking? Do you reckon when it comes to trying to justify a fifth gate? Super, it's super tough to say because I think you know I think one of the reasons why they're looking to do this is to try and bolster the Magic Kingdom's numbers here on the you know the top rankings, like we mentioned last week or the week before. Um, you know, Universal slowly creeping up on them, taking their spots from them on that ranking. Um, and I think you know, Magic Kingdom's still number one, so this is about bolstering those Magic Kingdom numbers to keep them top. Uh, so you know, maybe if Epic Universe comes out and it, and it makes a significant shift to Universal being that or one of the Universal parks being that number one park, mm-hmm. um, and and even this you know new land doesn't change that. I'm not saying that this is necessarily going to happen, um, but I think that would be the deciding factor. I don't think getting more customers in would necessarily be the thing because building more hotels is more cost and that, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I think you need, yeah, there needs to be a catalyst to to make that fifth park happen. I think that catalyst, unfortunately, is one of the Universal Parks being number one, and I'm not sure whether that happens. Um, no, I, 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 I think that prospect might become a little clearer when Epic Universe is open. Yeah, uh, I don't see it being uh, a concern until then at the earliest. But, but yeah, I guess we'll have to wait and see. Uh, yeah, and and hopefully you know on the Universal side, once Epic Universe is done, you see new lands come online or new rides come online or get. Uh, greenlit at the OG Universal Park over there um, so that bolsters those numbers there as well and maybe that will become a threat but you know again I think I think we're years out from that and I think until Magic Kingdom loses that top spot I think Disney will be quite happy where they are yes uh, right moving on then uh, it'll be interesting to maybe maybe we should do kind of a deep dive on kind of dream or what we'd want from a fifth Disney gate at some point. Oh, um, yes, please. That might be fun. Uh, anyway, Efteling, uh, we had a great time there around this time last year and uh, they have uh, offered visitors a taste of an upcoming attraction. Again, one that we have talked about on the show before, Dance Macabre Efteling, which isn't opening until next year, but they have now, as of recording, opened a new food service location in the new themed area where Dance Macabre is going to be. Uh, this is called 
in den Svarte Cat, in the Black Cat. Yeah, is the translation there. Uh, my Dutch is just that good that I know what that means. It's not as well, if it's yeah, you written brushing up on it. So exactly, it's not like it's just written down in front of me in brackets. That's absolutely no. not what's happening here. Uh, anyway, I mean, we've got some pictures of the inside of the uh, of the new location. I mean, it looks very Efteling to me. Uh, it's reminding me of the place near, uh, was it Max and Moritz, the dueling family coaster where you got that outstanding, well, we both got some great stuff in there. I mean, you went in first and got that fantastic like apple crumble slice thing. And then we yeah. both went in there and had the caramel crumble cake or whatever it was. And I had some sort of liquefied coronary heart disease with cream on top. I mean... <laughs> It yeah. was an outstanding breakfast, but not one good. that you'd want on a daily basis, that's for sure. Uh, no. Uh, but yeah, this is kind of reminding me of that. Uh, they have released uh, you know, an official backstory for the new location. Uh, apparently, Josh, the charlatan family used this former tavern as a grocery shop. Indensvata Cat appears to be... Be- that's uh, in the black cat, by the way, uh, appears to be burnt down, partially collapsed, and is filled with creepy elements. And like the bathroom facility, Der Letzte Hoop, it is haunted at all times. So there you go. Uh, It's a quick service grab and go, uh, serving stuff like uh, Abbey bread. I don't know what that is. Is Is that a relation to school bread? Let us know. Uh, Kettlekook, again, don't know what that is. And blood juice, Josh, which sounds delightful. Kettlekook, I feel like I've heard before. Is that, that might be popcorn? Maybe? Oh, really? Kettle is, is like kettle, kettle corn. Right. Oh, no, I've just Googled it, Josh. It is uh, sort of a ring-shaped cake. Oh, it's like a bunt cake. It's uh, like a bit like a bunt cake. A bit like a bunt cake, you're right. It does look a bit like a bunk cake. So there you go. Uh, if it if it lives up to the standards of existing Efteling cake, then I'm sure this is going to be pretty good. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I love I, I love the visual design of just about everything at Efteling. That kind of storybook fairy tale aesthetic that it's got going on, but some of it being you know slightly more dark and twisted and this definitely falls into that kind of category i really really love it i think it's all really well done and um yeah i'm looking forward to what dance macabre ends up being but in the meantime i mean much like uh, we spoke about earlier with the princess and the frog uh, and this is obviously a far more tangible example of this but you know kind of giving guests uh you know things to you know, touch points um, for for future attractions. I think is is a smart kind of marketing strategy, if nothing else. Like from the most cynical perspective, it's it's intelligent. Um, yeah. And obviously, in this case, it is more than just a sign. It is a cafe or you know a quick service location that you can go in and and grab some cake and whatever else. So, yeah, looks good. And as I say, if it's up to snuff compared to the other Efteling. Uh, uh, cake locations, it, it'll probably be pretty good and, and worth checking out. For sure. Uh, we will end, Josh, uh, on a bit of a, a bit of a downer. Some some sad news here. I mean, it, it's thankfully this kind of thing doesn't come around too often, but of course it does happen. 
uh, and there was a nasty accident at a thing park in Sweden uh, in the last week at Grona Lund Park in Stockholm on the uh, yep. Jetline roller coaster ride. Uh, I'm just going to read the top of the report from Sky News. One person has been killed and nine others injured in a roller coaster accident at a theme park in Sweden. Witnesses said the jetline ride at the Gronalund Amusement Park in Stockholm had partly derailed and a helicopter, ambulances and fire engines were sent to the scene. Police and park officials said nine children and adults were being treated at the hospital and three of them had severe injuries. Uh, the theme park itself said it was a serious accident, obviously, given the the number of people injured and, and the fact that three of them had severe injuries and, and one person died. And obviously it's, I mean, it's distressing anyway, but you know, perhaps even more so given that there were children who were hurt as well. And yeah, I mean, the, yeah, some of the witness quotes here, I, I won't read out. They're kind of uh, a bit distressing, I suppose, but yeah, this is never, this is never good to hear um, when it comes to theme parks and, you know, it's always, of course, a little bit disconcerting when something like this happens. Like a derailment is just about as bad as it gets for a roller coaster. And, uh, you know, I can't really think of too many worse, if any worse, than what happened on Smiler at Alton Towers all those years ago. But uh, this is uh, this is not good. Um, as far as I'm aware, the coaster is still shut as of recording, as you would probably expect given the severity of the accident. But, I mean, do you have any sort of idea what it takes for a roller coaster to derail? This is a serious malfunction, you know. There's a lot of things in place to stop this from happening. You know, it's like the Smiler issue was a, a human <laughs> error. The system worked absolutely fine. Right. And stopped the, the train on the brakes, and then the human overrode it, which then caused the accident to happen. Whereas here... Uh, it seems like a failure in terms of maintenance on mm. the coaster and possibly on the track. Um, and, you know, for, for wheels to shear off that or to fall off, that sounds, you know, like a, that's a, that is a properly major issue that cannot be, you know, resolved by one person pressing the wrong button. This is, this is a fundamentally flawed uh, operation, maybe, mm. here. If this is happening, you know, something wrong going on in the maintenance of the ride and potentially even in the annual inspections of all the rides by the governing body. Um, so there's going to have to be some very serious investigations here into uh, why it happened, you know, what the park did wrong um, and also what issues were, you know, what wasn't picked up by the annual reviews as well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, frankly, I mean, I know I said I wouldn't read out some of these quotes and, and I won't, but just kind of just some of the details that uh, that you can glean from the quotes and the, kind of the most distressing of them is just the fact that you know, people saw people on the ride literally toppling out of the coaster train, which makes you in some ways grateful that it wasn't worse you know just the idea of falling out of a roller coaster traveling at speed yeah is absolutely there's, terrifying there's, so um there's <sighs> some systemic issues here you know people shouldn't be able to come out of this ride full stop 
Mm. Uh, that's no, why these safety checks are put in place. That's why you, harnesses have these double safety mechanisms so that they won't come unlocked. They fail. They're supposed to fail safe. Um, and that clearly hasn't happened here. And that's a serious, serious problem that needs to be investigated thoroughly. Because um, if it's not, uh, and this sort of thing is then could potentially happen elsewhere uh, if we don't get the right information and these issues aren't rectified elsewhere around the world. Yeah. Yeah, well said. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's scary. And as I say, there's... Um, imagine this ride is going to be shut for some time as a result. Uh, I mean, the park for their part said, yeah, all their rides are checked daily for, you know, any potential safety issues. And, and as you pointed out, kind of the government body, uh, in this case, it's called DECRA, um, also inspects the rides annually um so yeah uh well obviously we for what it's worth would pass on our best wishes to the people who have been injured uh, and hopefully they recover and obviously the family of um the person who's died um it probably it's never something you'd ever imagine might happen at a theme park which is obviously a place people go to kind of escape from the real world and, and have a fantastic time. Like the idea that something like this could happen is horrendous. Um, so yeah, uh, our thoughts go out to everyone affected by that. And yeah, we, uh, we now make the difficult pivot to the end of this week's park rush podcast. Uh, you had to wait a little while for this one, but on the plus side, that does mean, or it should mean anyway, that you have to wait quite a bit less for the next one if i had to guess uh you'll have the next episode at some point in the middle of of the coming week uh, and as i said hopefully that will be a park beyond episode and then yeah who knows everyone who knows but i hope that we will get back to more regular programming um in the next couple of weeks and we'll try and you know stick to a to a date as we had done so successfully for you know four and a bit years but it, it has gone you know a bit pear-shaped in in the last few weeks we'll, we'll try and sort that out for people who have stuck with us we appreciate you all uh, the numbers are dwindling but the ones who are still here well our biggest fans our biggest fans <laughs> Thank you very much for listening. I don't need to tell you to subscribe at this point. I don't think I'll just say have a fantastic week. Stay safe and take it easy out there. And as I said at the top, let us know if you care one iota, whether we stay on Twitter. If we don't get any feedback to that effect, we're off. We're out of there. Catch you next time, everybody. Goodbye. See ya. See ya.